Happy New Year, Grace family. It's great to be here the first Sunday of the new year. I can't wait to get into the Word. Grab your Bibles, James chapter 1. Open them to James chapter 1. We're going to look at verses 19 through 25. And welcome to the guests. If you don't have a Bible, there are Bibles right in front of you in the seat back. I'm going to challenge you today to hear and do God's Word every day. Hear and do God's Word every day. I want you to commit to or continue a daily discipline of time in God's Word and prayer. And here's the reason why. Because God wants you to be no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts. So stand with me. I'm going to read James 1, 19 through 25. This is the Word of God. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness that God requires. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. He looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, be no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts. He will be blessed in his doing. Lord God, I pray that you would open our eyes to see wonderful things in your word today. Deepen our faith and our love for you by the work of your spirit and by the power of your word. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and take a seat there. So, New Year's, every health club wants your business right now because we are easy targets. We overate at Thanksgiving and Christmas, and sales of health club memberships and exercise equipment just skyrocket every January. We eat too much, we exercise too little. 24 hour fitness is asking, Where will you be in 2016? Now, I'm asking a similar question today. For a different reason. I want you to buy into God's will for your life by becoming more involved in the Word of God. The calling of James chapter 1 is the calling of every Christian. It's regarding the Word of God that you need to receive it and then respond to it. You need to receive the Word of God and respond to it. Your attitude towards the Word of God is a test of your faith. Do you have joyful delight in the Word of God? Is, has, there, has there been true transformation in your life? Verse 18 of chapter 1 says that God brought us forth by His Word. You heard the Word and you were saved. If you're a believer, you heard the Word and you were saved. 
Romans tells us faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of Christ. Now James is getting at something here. The context is that, that, he, that God wants believers to not just survive, but thrive in Christ. How to live in Christ in the midst of trials, that's what James is all about. It was written to Christian Jews scattered in Gentile countries, and they were forced into difficult circumstances, and they were finding it hard going. And they were tempted to doubt God's goodness. They were falling prey to the syndrome that says, if God is good, why is this happening to me? You may have asked that question. James affirms God's goodness. Look at verse 17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth. He is the only source of goodness. James affirms God's goodness here. He's the only source of goodness. He is the unchanging source of goodness. There's no variation in him. And in verse 18, he's the source of the supreme act of goodness, which is the cross, which is salvation, the goodness of salvation to all who believe through the word. But that takes James to another problem that's associated with persecution. And it's this. How can we find the strength to get through it? We can relate. Life's problems call for strength. We often feel powerless, don't we? Our reserves just get depleted. And James answers the same question we ask. Where can I find strength for facing all these difficulties? James' answer is very clear. Strength is found in the Word of God. It's found in the Word of God. It's found in the Bible. It's found in the Word of truth. So you might be going through a painful trial right now. And what God did for those first century believers, He wants to do for you. He wants to assure you today that He is in control. That He is in control. That you're going through a deep trial right now and God is in control. He's got this covered. He's got your life covered. And as James starts, James says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you encounter various trials. Because you need to know this. The testing of your faith produces endurance, perseverance, steadfastness. So let it have its perfect, full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. James is saying, stay under the trial. Stay in the midst of it. Remain, abide in Christ in the midst of it because God's got a purpose in this. We just read in 17 that every good gift and every perfect gift is from God. And it's so easy to think about all the good gifts you got for Christmas, right? All the good gifts that God has given me, those are awesome. But the, the, the bad stuff in my life, that's really bad. And what James is saying is that everything in your life, everything in your life is a good gift from God. The trial in your life right now is a good gift from God. Given in his sovereign goodness. To bring about something in your life that is lacking. And to bring you to the purpose that he has in mind for you, which is maturity in Christ. Don't blame God. James is saying don't blame God for the trial. His word is going to navigate you safely through it. I hope you can see this today. That you need to receive 
and then respond to the word of God in the midst of the trials of life? How do you receive it? We're going to first see how you receive it and then how you respond. Verses 19 through 21 tell us how to receive it and then 22 to 25 on how to respond. So receiving the word, how do you do that? First of all, you got to receive it with an open heart. With an open heart. Verse 19 says, Know this, my beloved brothers. Let everyone be quick to hear. Now, it's very easy for us to read verse 19 and go, Well, that's all about my personal relationships. If I just am quick to hear and slow to speak and slow to anger, everything will go well in my relationships. Now, that verse is going to help your relationships. But first and foremost, in the context of James, it is speaking of how you receive the word of God. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let everyone be quick to hear. That means swift to hear. Not just a good listener generically. It's always good to be a good listener. But be an eager hearer of the word of God. Be ready to grasp the word. Pursue every opportunity to be exposed to the word of God. Literally, it means be swift to the hearing. Be swift to the hearing. Quick, speedy fast to the hearing of the word of God. You can't get to the word of God fast enough. It makes me think about when I'm feeding my dog, Leela. I mean, she starts, I'm, I'm, I'm bringing food to her and she starts wagging her tail really fast and she's like all getting all anxious and, and excited and I tell her to sit and she sits right away. It's like when you can't wait to eat and you sneak a little bite. I'm really good at that in my family. I get in trouble all the time for that with my kids. But you're hungry to hear the word of God. You're hungry to hear it. You run to the Bible. You run to the preaching. The psalmist, Psalm 119, verse 11, says that God's word is, is my heritage forever. They rejoice my heart. Rejoice in God's testimonies revealed in the word. Psalm 119, I hope in your word. Incline my heart to esteem your precepts. I want to perform your statutes to the end. Verse 77, oh, how I love your law. Psalm 1, delight in the law of the Lord and meditate on it daily. Now, we gave lots of gifts at Christmas time, right? You, got, you gave lots of gifts. You received probably a bunch of gifts. If I could give each one of you a gift today, it would be that you would delight in God and his word. That you would delight in the word of God, that it would thrill your heart to hear the word of God, that you would long for it, that you would crave it. Do you know what it's like to crave something? Psalm 119, verses 14 through 16. In the way of your testimonies, I delight as in all riches. So you love the word of God more than, than all money and possessions. He says, I will meditate on your precepts Fix my eyes on your ways. I delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. There's a resolve. An open heart listens to the word. And an open heart submits to the word. 
It also says to be slow to speak. Literally slow to the speaking. Cautious, patient. Slow to complain to God. Aren't we great complainers? Slow to complain to God. Listen to the word. Ecclesiastes 5.1 says this. Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. To draw near to listen is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools. For they do not know that they are doing evil. Be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God. For God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. James 3, verse 1 tells us even what a serious thing it is to speak God's word. That if you have a desire to preach the word, don't be in a rush to be a preacher and teacher of the word of God because we ought to fear misrepresenting the truth. I fear misrepresenting the truth. An open heart listens and is submissive to the word and it, and it comes to the word of God without re- re- rebellion or resistance. Again, verse 19, slow to anger and then into verse 20, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Again, in the context here, it's, Slow to anger because it doesn't produce righteousness. Anger here is orge. It literally means hostility against God. Hostility against the word. Because you don't like the truth when you hear it. See, the wrath of man hates the truth of God. And righteousness here refers not to God's righteous character, which many times, most of the time it does in the New Testament. Here it refers to the way of life in thought and words and actions that God requires of believers. Be slow to anger. Don't resist or rebel against God's word because it doesn't produce the kind of life that God wants to bring about in your your life. Be slow to speak against God or question his motives or blame him. Don't be hostile to the word of God because it runs contrary to your desires. Stay under the word with an ongoing love and passion for it. If you fly in an airplane... I think you all know the pilot is in charge. You don't go up to the cockpit and say, you know, I'd like to give you a few pointers. Just a few pointers. I know you've been studying this your whole life and you've been flying for a long time, but you know, I've got some ideas about this. You just don't do that. You sit down, you shut up, and you enjoy the ride. God is in control of his word, and the Holy Spirit applies it to your heart and transforms you. So don't resist it if you don't like the sound of it. Trials, James is speaking of here in the context, demands wisdom from above that only God's word can give us. So trust God to steer things the way he wants them to go. Receive the word with an open heart, eager and submitted and and not resisting. That's the first thing. Now let's look at verse 21. You also need to receive the word of God with a pure heart a pure heart. Verse 21 says, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness. Put it off. It's an aorist middle participle. It literally means having already put it off. You got to put that off to be able to receive the word. Verse Peter 2 tells us, lay aside all evil. Lay aside evil speaking. Romans 13 tells us, cast off the deeds of darkness. Put on the armor of light. Here James says, put away all filthiness. That's the word rucaria. It literally means taking off filthy clothes. 
Like you've been working in the yard all day or you've been running and sweating and just everything's dirty. You, just, you, you take them off. It's the idea of taking off immorality. It's the idea of, of putting moral defilement out of your life. It's kind of like the idea of, of a buildup, the, the buildup that happens, like waxing your ear that builds up. He's saying, get rid of the dirt that hinders your hearing of the word of God. Get rid of the things in your life that hinders you from hearing and receiving the word of God. He says, take, take rampant wickedness out. That's kakia. It's general evil. It's wicked moral vices. James is telling us, even in verse 13, you fight temptation with the word. Lust and desire gives birth to sin. Think about David. He says, I, I've hidden your word in my heart that I would not sin against you. Sin is going to keep you from the Bible or the Bible is going to keep you from sin. You wouldn't show up at a wedding in filthy clothes smelling like garbage, would you? You can't harbor fugitive sin in your heart and serve God undetected. You can fool others, but you can't fool God. He knows your heart, and you cannot simultaneously sin and worship God. It's not possible. A pure heart actively rejects sin instead of hosting it instead of inviting it in 3 John 1.11 says beloved do not imitate what is evil but what is good whoever does what is good is from God whoever does evil has not seen God so receive the word of God with, with a pure heart with a pure heart because the word cleanses the word cleanses I want you to notice a third thing here. Verse 21. Receive the word with a humble heart. An open heart, a pure heart, and a humble heart. It says receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Meekness, mildness, gentleness. It's a humble, gentle attitude expressed in, in patience when you are offended it is free from malice or a desire to get revenge. And it, it stands in contrast to wrath. 2 Corinthians 10.1, Paul says this, I, Paul, entreat you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. I, who am humble when face to face with you. Matthew 5.5, 5, Jesus said, Blessed are the meek, they shall inherit the earth. You gotta come to the word of God and receive it with a humble heart. It says to receive or accept the implanted word. What does that mean? It means to add something to. It's the idea that the word is getting planted into your heart, like into foreign soil. It's getting transplanted into your heart. And as the word is planted into your heart, you grow and are transformed in Christ-likeness by the Holy Spirit. The word of God delivers you from sin. It's able to save your souls. It, we've seen the power of the word here. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23 says, We are born again by the living and abiding word of God. Timothy says it makes us wise. Paul tells Timothy it makes us wise unto salvation. The word of God lives and abides forever. 
And we need to come to it humble and teachable and longing to be taught by God, a willing student of God, actively accepting the word, moldable in the Spirit's hands, humbled by the word of God. Romans 15 talks about perseverance and encouragement that the scriptures give us, that we would have hope. Because the word doesn't just save you, it continues to deliver you through sanctification. Think about the Bereans who received the word of God gladly, daily. In contrast to the crown, crowd who stoned Stephen and just arrogantly you know, plugged their ears. We're going to look at that starting next week when we get back into Acts. They arrogantly plugged their ears. They didn't want to hear the word of God. Stephen was preaching to them the word of God. You know, if you're invited into the presence of a king, you go in humble. You go in feeling like, man, I'm unworthy to be here. I'm just privileged to be invited. That's how we should come to the word of God. Receive the word of God. If you receive it, you got to have an open heart, a pure heart, a humble heart, one that is eager to listen submissively without resistance or rebellion. That's the calling on the life of every Christian. That's God's calling on your life. You need to receive it, but then you also need to respond to it. That's the second part of this. Hearing and doing. You need to receive it, hear it, and then respond do how do you do that we're going to see that in verses 22 to 25 do what it says be doers of the word not only hearers you need to be a hearer of the word but you can't just stop there don't deceive yourself and if you're hearer of the word and not a doer you're like someone who looks in a mirror and walks away and forgets because that's what we do we look in the mirror, we see the reflection, we see ourselves, we walk away, we forgot what we look like. That's why we're looking at ourselves in the mirror, right? Is my hair okay? Do my clothes look all right? You check it out in the mirror. You walk away and you're like, oh, I better check again. How do you do this? First of all, you got to stay constantly connected to the Word of God. Your hearts need to be open to receive it every day. He says, no hearer who forgets. But see, you need to go back to the mirror again and again and again. You need to stay in front of the mirror of the word. This is the idea that James is getting at. You need to keep going back to the mirror. You need to stay at the mirror of the word where you behold the glory of the Lord and are transformed by him. In, in Jewish homes and, and synagogues, hearing the word of God read out loud played a very important part of their life. James is saying, do this daily so you remember. Deuteronomy 6 tells about how, how the word should be into the life of the people of God. And it's very clear that God intended children to hear the word of God spoken and read out loud in their parents' voice. They needed to continually hear the word of God. The, the, the grown-ups and the kids all needed to hear the word of God. And, and it was as the word was obeyed and applied that life change was seen james 2 14 says faith without works is dead you cannot say i have faith and have nothing to show for it your life's got to reflect the reality of your profession if you have no fruit you probably don't have the root of faith in christ it's like the parable of the sower 
Look at Matthew 13, verse 18. Jesus is explaining this parable, and he says, Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what's been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on the rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, but has no root, but endures for a little while, and when tribulation and persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. What was sown among the thorns? That's the one who hears the word. The cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches choke out the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown in the good soil, into a believer's heart, this is the one who hears the word of God and understands it, and he indeed bears fruit and yields a crop. See, the word has got to be united by faith in those who hear. And proof of that Proof that the word was united by faith in your life is that you do, you practice what it says. You must receive the word and react by obeying what it says. So you've got to be constantly connected to the word. And and secondly, you've got to be consistently thinking about it. This is not a mindless exercise, people. Your head has got to be in the game. You've got to have an engaged mind. Look at verse 25. The one who looks into... That's a key word there, a key phrase. Looks into. The one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, will be blessed in his doing. Now, the idea of looking into, that's the idea of looking intently at the word. It's it's literally you stoop down and you look into something in order to really see what it's really like. It's like you take a magnifying glass or you put something under a microscope and you want to study it to see what it's really like. You're examining the word closely. It's like a magnifying glass, a microscope. Literally, you are continually, here's what it means, you're hearing into it. You're hearing into it. That's, that's pretty deep, but I think we can all get this. Simple enough for everyone to grasp. You've you got to get into the word. You've got to listen to it, study it, and think about it all the time. You've got to be thinking about how the word plays into your life. This is something going on behind the scenes. It's a hidden part of your life that you and God can see and as you share with others. And you are processing the trial in light of the word. And you are processing the temptation in light of the word. And you are thinking about the word and saying, so how does this affect what I am doing? How does the gospel transform what I'm going through? How does does the word speak to my situation? It's the law of liberty. Jesus said the truth will set you free. Galatians 5.1 says it was for freedom that Christ set us free. So don't go back to a yoke of slavery. He says that the the, the one who does this perseveres. Great word, perseveres. It means to remain. It literally means to stay beside, to stay nearby. You're staying next to the word. You're staying near the word. You're continuing in the word. Now, earlier in James, he uses a word, steadfastness, or endurance, or perseverance. This is a different Greek word. It's important for us to see the difference. He says in verse 3, 
you know the testing of your faith produces steadfastness or perseverance. And then in verse 12, blessed is the one who remains steadfast or perseveres under trial. That is, that is the Greek word hupomeno. It literally means you, you remain under the word. You're humbled by the word. You're under God. You're under the word. But when he says in verse 25, perseveres in the word, it mean, it's, it's the Greek word paramano. It means to remain near it, to remain alongside of it. You are into it. You are actively engaging yourself in the word of God. You're not just hearing it. You're, you're working it out in your life. You're figuring out the puzzle. You're trying to understand the mystery. Now you take this to heart and it is going to seriously change your life. It's not about reading a couple verses and checking off the box on the to-do list. This is marinating in the word of God. This is soaking in the word of God that you take on the flavor, that you become infused, right? Everyone likes those infuser bottles right now, right? Where you put the fruit in there or the vegetables in your water bottle and it, it takes on the flavor. I'm using garlic. I'm not joking. Infused with the word. You, you love Jesus so much because he first loved you that you are hungry for the word of God and you're ready to respond to it. I heat my water up, though, with the garlic in it. Lemon, garlic, honey, hot water, drink, repeat all day long. It's awesome. Now, here's what else you want to do. You want to continually act upon what you see and hear. This is a hands-on experience, people. This is not just a, again, a mindless exercise. A doer who acts, verse 25, a doer who acts. That is a present tense. It means a continual action. Literally, being be being continually doers. Talks about a habit of your life. You put it into practice by a life habit. That's why you brush and floss and bathe. You live so people see evidence in your life. Your progress is evident to all. Let's see, we deceive ourselves to think that just because we read the word we, or we heard the word, we're doing what God wants. We're doing part of what God wants. It's the first part of what God wants. It's only half the picture, though. Hear and do every day. Hear and do the word. Hear the word and then do the word every day. It's on the menu all year long. God's call on your life continually hear and continually do and he's going to enable it by his spirit being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts a doer who does literally a doer who does you will be blessed you will be blessed in your doing you won't have pride in yourself oh i read my bible every day no you're too busy doing it you depend on god to do what you see in it now let's apply this. Let's apply this to our lives. Let's, let's, let's think about it. What does it mean in our life then to be a, a, good, a good hearer and, and a good doer, okay? You need to receive it well, so you want to have an open heart, right? Open heart. You got to relish the word, all right? You got to let it sink deep into your soul. Psalm 19 tells us the word of God is sweet to our souls. If you haven't developed a taste for the word, you haven't spent enough time in it. 1 Thessalonians 2.13 tells us the word of God does its work in us who believe. The Holy Spirit applies it to our hearts. You receive it like dry ground receives water. 
and eliminate the distractions. You want to have an open heart? What is keeping you from wholeheartedly diving into the word of God? You've got to eliminate those distractions. And you want to do it with a pure heart, right? So 1 Peter 2 tells us, put away all malice and deceit and hypocrisy, envy, slander, like newborn babies long for the pure milk of the word that you may grow in respect to salvation. You want to grow? You've got to get rid of the junk in your life. You've got to eliminate that. You've got to say no to that stuff. You want to have a humble heart. You've got to realize you don't know everything. The sooner we get that one straight, the better. You've got to respect God. You've got to have fear of God. It, 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 with some people, there's no fear of God in their eyes. They don't love or treasure the word of God. They, they don't know their deep need to hear God's word every day. They're, they're above the word. They're not under the word, and they're not, they're not remaining beside the word. They're above the word. Now, that's deception. People say, well, it's not going to help my situation. It's not relevant. It's cryptic. I don't understand it. And they walk away. You've got to examine yourself daily. Test yourself. 2 Corinthians 13 says, test yourselves to see if you're in the faith. Your test of your faith is, are you doing the word? Are you hearing and doing the word? Some people are unregenerate. They're, they're not born again. They're, the word has not been united in, with, with faith in their hearts. No root, no fruit. Has your life changed? Do you have a desire and passion for the word? If you have no desire or passion for the word, then admit it and embrace the Savior. Just admit it and, and say, Jesus, I need you. Or say, admit it, Jesus, I need to confess some sin in my life right now. Something's blocking your word in my life, and I know it's not you, it's me. And, 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 a, and, a, and a humble believer confesses their sins and then walks in freedom in Christ and the forgiveness they have because of his shed blood. What's the cry of your heart? What's, what's the cry of your heart before God? Do you want to receive and live the word of God? Do you want to see evidence of God working in your transformed life? Then you will be an effective doer. You will respond well. You'll hear and do every day. The only way that you will become consistent in the word of God is by aiming for every day. And sure, you're going to not get it right every day, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't have that as your goal. Let me get very specific here. As we close, let me get very specific. Number one, you've got to find a plan. Find a plan. Pick a plan that fits you to read the Bible and stick to it. Now, we're encouraging canonical um, Genesis to Revelation. That's what I'm doing. I, I, I finished Revelation the other day, and I moved the, I moved the ribbon over to Genesis, and I'm there now. Uh, you can do the chronological one, which is um, in, in the order that, it hope, that they think it was written. Um, you, there's so many kind of plans. It's not the idea of what plan, but that you have a plan. The goal is to hear and do the word of God every day. Being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts. So I am asking you to read the Bible through with me this year. Again, there's lots of plans you can do. You might already be in one. Let me tell you what um, was written to a church in 1842. December 30th, 1842, uh, 29-year-old Scottish preacher uh, Robert Murray Machane wrote this to his congregation. My dear flock, the approach of another year stirs up within me new desires for your salvation and for the growth of those of you who are saved. What the coming year is to bring forth, who can tell? Those believers will stand firmest who have no dependence on self, but upon God our righteousness. We must be driven more to our Bibles and to the mercy seat if we are to stand in the evil day. 
It has long been in my mind to prepare a scheme of Bible reading in which as many as were made willing by God might agree so that the whole Bible might be read once by you in the year and all might be feeding in the same portion of the green pasture at the same time. Now I know there are a lot of drawbacks to Bible reading plans, but I think the advantages outweigh the drawbacks. Ms. Shane talked about that. He talked about the dangers and the advantages. The dangers, formality. Bible reading becomes a lifeless duty. Self-righteousness. We pat ourselves on the back for doing it. Careless reading. We go so fast to get it done and we don't tremble at the word of God. Or having the Bible reading plan become a yoke too heavy to bear. Machane counseled those for whom the plan had become a yoke too heavy to bear to do this. Throw aside the fetter and feed at liberty in the sweet garden of God. He's saying just read something in the word. Get into the word. He says, my desire is not to cast a snare upon you, but to be a helper of your joy. That is my desire as well. So do what works for you, but get into the word. Be a hearer and a doer every day. The advantages he lists were great. You read the entire Bible in a year in an orderly manner over the course of a year. There's no wasting time deciding what to read every day. You have improved spiritual conversations between parents and children and friends when each member of a family or a circle of friends is individually reading the same portions of scripture and there are others number two don't just find a plan find the time find the time the number one question might be for you what am i not going to do this year to make time to do this one supremely important thing the word of god is food for your soul you don't eat you'll be weak you eat only junk food, you'll be unhealthy. You don't exercise, you might die. You change your life, you've got to change the way you live. How you do what you do. We have multitudes of Bibles at our fingertips, but there's a lot of biblical illiteracy amongst professing believers. And you might say, but I'm too busy to read the word of God. My question would be, are you too busy? Are you so busy? Are you busier than a United States president? Because President Lincoln memorized whole chapters of the Bible while he was leading the country through the Civil War, by the way. Here's what he said about the Bible. In regard to this great book, I have but to say it is the best gift God has given to man. All the good the Savior gave to the world was communicated through this book. Proverbs 13, 13 says, the one who neglects the word will be in debt to it. You don't read it, you won't know what you're supposed to do. You can't do if you don't hear Proverbs 16 20 he who gives attention to the word will find good you will be blessed so make that a non-negotiable part of your life not an elective but a required part of the program with God you're going to find the time third thing and we're about to close here third thing find some friends find some friends that will you can recruit that are like-minded who can help keep you accountable and keep you on track you need the body of Christ you need someone you see often. If you're married, make it your spouse, parents or children, brothers and sisters, friends. Just do it. My men's group is going to go through the Genesis to Revelation and journal together and plan to share with each other when we meet. There's a lot of things you can do. My family is going through this as well and just do that. <laughs> last thing, and the worship team is gonna come up in a moment. The, the last thing I'll just say is this. Throughout it all, Find God faithful. Find God faithful. God's word is a daily reminder 
that he is with us and will do what he said. We live in a fickle world, but we have a faithful God. 2015 is history. For some of you, it was the best year of your life. For others, it was the worst. You look at the top stories of 2015 and, and their, their trials. Islamic State terror rampage. Supreme Court legalizing gay marriage in 50 states. Paris attacks. Mass shootings. Refugee crisis and more. What's next? Only God knows. Things change, but God never changes. We live in a fickle world. We have a faithful God. The grass withers, the flower falls off, and the word of our God stands forever. John Owen said this, Scripture is our only blueprint of the glory of Christ. Only in Scripture and only by faith can we behold the glory of Christ while still in this life. Hear and do every day. Be no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you that what we talked about today, what you are saying to us in your word is rooted in your character and you are faithful. With you there is no variation, shifting shadow. Your grace cannot be put out and nothing can interfere with your goodness or put you out of reach for us. Thank you that you have revealed yourself in your word and that you have spoken and that you are speaking and that your word is not bound. It is free to to transform our lives as your spirit applies it to us. So Lord, may we hear and do every day and be awestruck at your goodness in Christ. And we pray in his name, amen.